What's up, everyone? This is Adam Mades from DNVR, excited to talk to you about American financing. Everyday bills are high, and everything is still very expensive, which is why, if you own a home, I want you to call our friends at American Financing. Interest rates are lower than they've been in a long time. They're saving their customers, on average, $854 a month by tapping into their home's equity and wiping out high-interest credit card debt. Their salary-based mortgage consultants are in it for you. Their job is to save you money. Call American Financing and tell them DNVR sent you today, and you may be able to delay two mortgage payments. That's 303-695-7000, 303-695-7000, or go to AmericanFinancing.net slash DNVR. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Lyons, and on today's show, we've got Kenneth Weber of Purple Row. What's up, Kenneth? What's up, Patrick? Getting the spot start today, man. I love it. You are. You are. We'll see. I've heard some good rumblings down uh, down in the minors. Mm-hmm. You're doing some good stuff. So we'll we'll break down Monday's Labor Day game. Baseball players have to work, unfortunately. Yeah, that's a, a, too bad. They also get a lot more time off than some of us do. The couple months, yeah, a little in, bit in the off season for sure. We'll recap that. Preview the rest of the series. Talk about what we're most concerned about with the roster. Who's got us most hype right now? But piece of breaking news that uh, did just come out: Patrick Saunders of the Denver Post. Reporting that AT&T Sportsnet Rocky Mountain will be no more starting Friday, October 6th. So right at the uh, couple days after the final game of the regular season, this was kind of what we were all worried about, what would happen. The real question is what happens next for all of the great people that cover the Rockies for AT&T yeah. Sportsnet RM and how are fans going to be able to watch the game next season? Yeah, and I think, you know, just problems with Colorado sports fans watching games has been prevalent for a while now, and the Rockies are just the latest to that list. Um, You know, it's a good point to bring up on the broadcast family because you get to, you know, meet and get to know them personally a little bit. You know, these are people that spend a lot of time working very hard to put together a a good presentation. So, I mean, I I hope that can carry over to wherever the next avenue is. Yeah, MLB has done a good job of of taking over those – Various companies that haven't been able to fulfill their broadcast. I know in San Diego, there was something that had gone down in Arizona. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, MLB is kind of ready to try to get all of these teams under one roof. So it'll be eventually a good thing. It'll be the norm. But right now, it's still in the early parts to see who's going to stick around, who's not. I think everyone in San Diego did stick around, yeah. but that was because the season was going on. Here, we've got a season that's ending is MLB or whoever takes over the broadcast rights. I know there's been some speculation that maybe even Altitude will mm-hmm. uh, in, in incorporate with, with them. You know, will they want to maybe reduce the staff in some way? You hope that's not the case, but uh, it's, it's a big time of uncertainty for so many things in and around the Rockies world and in every form of sports media that covers this team right now. Yeah, there's a there feels like there's a big seismic shift on the horizon when it comes to how much revenue is tied into cable deals. And mm-hmm. that is now kind of drying up a little bit. And so when it came to uh, Bally and whoever the, the parent company is kind of saying, hey, we're getting out of the industry, it was all right before the start of the baseball season. So yeah. everybody's kind of in reactionary mode this year. There might be, as soon as this offseason, a big swing on reshifting you know, broadcasts and just the structure of the industry. And it might be as soon as for the 2024 season. So there's a lot to watch. Rogue Wave Creative saying MLB TV, greatest thing on earth. It absolutely is that you can just like watch all of these games. Mm-hmm. So long as they're not in your market. Yeah, right. Uh, With yeah. one big exception. 
Greatest v- thing on earth. You have a VPN. Uh, you, know, <laughs> you can kind of figure some things out, I've heard. Fair. Uh, is, is pretty nice. On Monday, Rockies did lose 4-2 to two to the Diamondbacks. They're 50-87 and 87 <clears throat> now. They've got to be better than 500 to avoid 100 losses. 13-12. and 12. Are you thinking it's actually going to be more like 105 losses? I put the number at 101 earlier oh. when I was talking about it. Yeah. Okay. So it's, I mean, you... The bar has been... It's like man- 11 and 14. Yeah. That's okay. I mean, so... That be, that's that's just, low. It, yeah, it might be. And that's <laughs> it's depressing to say it that way. The bar was already low on them avoiding losses because it was, okay, you just got to be seven games under 500. Okay, you got to be... It, it just kept on creeping. And now you're at the point where it's like, you actually have to win more than you lose. And when was the last time the Rockies did that? When was and, the last time they won two games in a row? And it can, White yeah, Sox. Yeah. Uh, two weeks ago. Yeah. It's so... It's like... This has already been a tough stretch to finish the season. You knew it was going to be tough um, looking ahead at the schedule, and they haven't really done themselves any favors up to this point. So now you're also facing the Arizona series is a great example. Arizona has something to play for. Yeah. They should beat Colorado because their playoff hopes are tied to this series in some way, shape, or form. A lot of guys are going to be facing Colorado that exact same way. So I think eclipsing 100 is a pretty good bet, and I put it at 101. Account for luck, I guess. I, I would take the over on that one Probably. there. I, so after the White Sox series, they were looking good where my math was, I wasn't rooting for it, but mm-hmm. just saying, hey, if they play 500 ball at home, doable. They they had been basically around 500. I think they were five games under uh, up to that point. Then they only had to win literally five games on the road. Of course, the Tampa-Baltimore series was going to be tough. You'd hope maybe you could get two. They only got one. And then last week, just not being competitive at all against Atlanta. And and those blown saves, too. Like, you blew the one against the White Sox where you could have swept. So, like, those were all the games right there. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was six games in a row where they led after six, and they lost all six games. They very well, if, if what, if they lose... 105 games? <laughs> yeah. If they lose exactly 105 games, those are the six games yeah. that would have given them the requisite 63 wins. Sure. That's yeah. crazy. No, that is crazy to think about, but I also give a little bit more benefit to Tampa and Baltimore beating the Rockies, even if it is in dramatic form. Of course. Then how the Rockies played after they took two out of three from the Yankees after the All-Star break. And mm. they had San Diego. They had mm-hmm. Oakland. They had Washington. They had an opportunity yeah. to pull out six wins in that string, and I think they got two. So, yeah, I mean, they had their opportunities. But really from, like, New York Yankees to Chicago White Sox, there was just total obscurity. And it feels like since the White Sox to maybe the end of the year is kind of that same stretch right now. Seven and twenty in the month of August. They were seven and twenty also in April. First season they've lost twenty games in a month. And before this year, they hadn't lost twenty games in a month since twenty fourteen. Oh, okay. So like, yeah, it, they're they're uh, they're bottoming out in, in a big way. So uh, not not great. They have played. 13 and 12 baseball. Again, that's what they'll need to do uh, <laughs> if they're going to avoid 100 losses. They've done that, but not since the end of May. No. And there's a lot of, it's a much different team now, too. And this is also a lot of the work that got into winning those games in May is why the bullpen is so depleted right now. Yeah. So it, it took a toll. And I think it's all just coming at a cost right now for this team. Who are you more worried about? So you brought up the bullpen there. They, it was kind of a non factor. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. in yesterday's game. But who are you more worried about in the bullpen? Interpret this however you'd like. Daniel Bard or, or Justin Lawrence? Bard. 
Yeah. Yeah. So Lawrence, these are natural growing pains is yeah. kind of the way that I see it with Justin Lawrence. And he's also being put in the spots he should and learning the hard way on how, you know, it, what happens if you don't execute and how the game is hindering on your performance at the mm -hmm. end of it. Daniel Bard has never kind of looked like Daniel Bard up to this point in the season. There will be flashes where he does have the stuff that can beat hitters with mistakes, but more of his mistakes are causing traffic and creating jams that he's not getting himself out of. And do, you, do you remember the last time we were, you were yeah. on the show, we had a whole discussion about Daniel Bard had an ERA under three mm -hmm. with like over 40 innings pitched, but you know, the whip was really high. The expected, you know, ERA was also really high. And since then, kind of reality has, has certainly caught up for him. Yes and no. But, I mean, so that uh, that stretch of six games off the top of my head, he had four runs allowed, but none of them were earned. And he had a zero ERA in, like, three appearances, four mm -hmm. innings pitch with, like, a two-and-a-half whip. So that was that epitomized the whole conversation sure. that we were talking about where, okay, maybe Daniel Bard isn't terrible, but he's also getting a lot more luck that's preventing him from having those really awful surface number stats. And that's just kind of been this year for him, honestly. So I'm more worried about Bard. I think uh, Lawrence will figure it out. I think there's a bit of a trajectory with um, Justin Lawrence right now to how Scott Oberg was when he was finally figuring it out and I'm, becoming a guy. I'm going Adam Adovino on the comp. Okay. Yeah, but but same. That's that's why you go. You can throw Kinley into that conversation. He's got too. a lot more room to make up for it and and figure it out. And you go, all right, hey, this is just kind of a bad stretch for him mm -hmm. right now. He doesn't necessarily need to go away to come back. You know, maybe you just throw him out there in the seventh inning for a little while to kind of build up that confidence. But that confidence could come back super quick, sure. really quick, and you can go into next season feeling pretty confident that like, no, he Lawrence is your guy. Kind of like how you went into 2022 going. Daniel Bard's our closer. Yeah, he was shaky in 2021, but he's going to be our guy in 2022. And then he goes out and has one of the best years ever uh, by a yep. reliever, by a closer in Rockies history. Spencer uh, saying in our chat on the DNVR Sports Channel, live on YouTube, which is where you got to jump in. Even if you're listening to this as a podcast, come on over and, uh, and leave a comment there. But Daniel Bard is by far better than Justin Lawrence. Up to this point, mm -hmm. like even if you want to just look at the last three years, Daniel Bard definitely has had a better Rockies career than Justin Lawrence, but Daniel Bard's 37. Mm -hmm. Justin Lawrence is is 28. He's he's able to harness things. I think some of his best days are ahead of him. I think Daniel Bard still has a lot of good days ahead of him, but how many more is is undetermined. Yeah. I'd rather I'd rather have stock in Justin Lawrence than Bard, almost a decade younger. Yeah, it, it, I think there's two different questions that come into sure. this. If you want to give the ball to somebody right now to win a game, mm -hmm. to save a game, you can absolutely make the case for Daniel Bard still being the one that could do it over Justin Lawrence. Now, like I understand. today you're talking about Tuesday's game? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Other yeah. than the fact he's on the IL. I mean, either one of those guys. Yeah, if you're talking about in 2023 and the capabilities, I still it's not to say Daniel Bard is not a good pitcher. It's not to say that right. Daniel Bard is not still an effective relief pitcher. Sure. I look at the Rockies for what can be in 2024 and 2025, and Justin Lawrence is a bigger part of that plan, in my opinion, than Daniel Bard is. And I think Bard can be effective and still can have a great year next year, but Lawrence is set up to be that closer of the future, and he's learning what it means to be a closer in this, you know, final stretch of 2023 another comment coming out from youtube you guys really think justin lawrence is that good i think he's okay but he's got a funky delivery where if you're on either side of the plate the sweep you're gonna hit him a lot and and, and i think teams have made that adjustment that yes. was partial partially you know what he said 
uh, about the Blue Jays. They're a contending team, so they've got to do their homework. And mm. it's it's one of those things we've seen it many times where someone, I'm not going to say comes out of the blue, but somebody becomes a star and then teams go, oh, let's, let's knock you down a peg because you are on a pedestal. He's been on a pedestal. He's been knocked off, but his stuff is there to get back up onto that pedestal and be one of the the top guys around. I don't think he was a top guy yet this year. No, he's close. For stretches, you go, yeah. okay, but if you're talking about the, you know, the top 10 closers in baseball, I don't think he was ever necessarily in that conversation. But again, in a year or two, I still think we could be talking about Justin Lawrence. And you could have a situation like with the Seattle Mariners where they had Edwin Diaz and they go, we're, we don't need this closer right now. Let's go ahead and trade him for a package of prospects. Yeah. And that worked out for them, whereas we know that that's not going to happen with Daniel Bard. He's only got one more year left on his deal anyway. No, and if it was going to happen with Bard, it needed to happen last year. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that's that's um, nothing you can do about it now. Lawrence uh, is a perfect example of why you can be a two-pitch pitcher and be an elite relief pitcher. Yeah. And so this is what you were alluding to is the league has made an adjustment because there was a lot of attention to his sweeper, to just how ugly of swings he could generate and how wide of misses he could get on that sweeper. Well, if you're seeing it on Pitching Ninja, then it's getting a lot of attention from other players around mm-hmm. the league. And so the adjustment that's been made on Justin Lawrence is to really sit breaking ball heavy and make him be able to beat you with his fastball. And he's fallen into a rut with that fastball, with some with velocity, but also just with command in general. If he is able to tunnel between the two, because you have a sweeper that goes this way and a two-seam that goes this way, you got to pick one. And right now they're picking the right one consistently. It's not a big adjustment to get him back on track is really what it comes to with Justin Lawrence. And I think, you know, there is still a trade chip possibility. I think Edwin Diaz is a very high bar because that was like a historic all-time closer season. But that's totally realistic. And you need Justin Lawrence to be an established closer to get the best return at that time too. So I think that it's the right plan. And I do believe in the pitcher itself because, you know, it's nasty stuff and it does come from a weird angle, which deception is part of effectiveness as a pitcher. Yeah, the three quarters, I mean, almost not fully siren, but more like three quarters. Mm-hmm. He's not coming up top. He's not coming up from high, but you know who is coming up from way up high? Who? Breckenridge Distillery. They're they're the highest distillery in the United States. Amazing. They got the, they're the official bourbon of the Denver Broncos, widely known for their blended bourbon whiskey, a high rye mash, American-style whiskey. Do you get down on the whiskey, or are you just doing beers? No, I'll do a little bit of whiskey. I'll put ah. some bourbon every now and then, get feisty. There you go. All right. Well, Whiskey Magazine has, has given these guys tons of awards. That might need to be your, your parting gift, you oh, know, yeah. at the end. Like, oh, hey, thanks. <laughs> you have your punch card. So, you know, you're getting very close uh, to, to getting some kind of award here. And I think Breckenridge Distillery, <laughs> they've already won a ton of awards. So it's only fitting that they kind of become your award for being a part of the show uh, as much as you do. Look, Breckenridge Distillery has products in all 50 states. Shop at your local retailer or visit BreckenridgeDistillery.com for home delivery of award-winning Breckenridge spirits or go up for a drive if you still want to beat the heat. It's nice and cool in the morning, but it's still it's still warming up. It'll be cool all day long. Go up to Breckenridge, actually check out their facility, grab a bite to eat there. It'll be delicious. What's amazing from Bet365 is that they're allowing you to turn $1 into $200 of bonus bets. When you join Bet365, you download the app, deposit $10, and claim $200 in bonus bets as soon as you place a bet for $1. Download the Bet365 app and use code DNVR365 when you sign up. They've pioneered live in-game betting. 780,000 plus live streams each and every year. Proud partner of the Colorado Rockies. That is one that when it's behind home plate and shows bet 365, it really like pops on mm-hmm. the red brick because of the green signage. Oh, yeah. Evident. Evident. It. 
It's great. Yeah, no, and they've had a, a great thing. We were talking about the bullpen. Look, if you're placing a bet and your team is up by five or more runs, you're like, I'm feeling good, but who's warming up in the bullpen? Mm-hmm. And does it matter who's warming up in the bullpen? I'm concerned about this lead. You don't have to be concerned about it with Bet365 and their Bet365 baseball early payout offer because you're a winner if your team goes up by five runs or more. With an instant payout, parlay and same game parlay selections will be marked as winners. Download the app and use code DNVR365 when you sign up. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Colorado. Please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. In the game yesterday, as we said, bullpen. Non-factor, three scoreless innings there, uh, two scoreless because Arizona did not hit. That was the thing I noticed. These games had been kind of long. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feel like, felt like in a, during the homestand, three-hour games all throughout with Toronto. And you go, oh, because the home team has to come up because they're trailing. Yeah. On the road, doesn't happen. Labor Day was a quick one. But Peter Lambert, again, kind of you know a, a solid day. Does give up four runs, but you like six innings pitched, only one walk. Five strikeouts, you know, you'd like to see that number to be a little bit higher, but still, Peter Lambert is, is I think, making everybody feel better about the 2024 rotation right oh, now. Oh, absolutely. And you look at the the string of starts he's put together. Heading into this one, um, he had four consecutive starts of three runs or less mm-hmm. allowed, and three of those came against bona fide playoff teams in Tampa Bay, Baltimore, and Atlanta. He is facing tough competition, and he is doing it effectively, and he's giving the Rockies a chance to win. And honestly, that's you know all you can ask for for anybody who's a candidate to be in the starting rotation next season. And so you want Ryan Feltner to be in the equation, but you just don't mm-hmm. know what's going to happen there. Somebody like Peter Lambert stepping up and being able to be highly regarded and thoroughly in the conversation with Gomber and Freeland is sorely, sorely needed right now, and I think he has done everything that's been asked of him to be you know, counted on in 2024. It's huge. I don't know if the Rockies needed another first baseman, but they got one in yeah. Hunter Goodman. He was one for three on Monday. <clears throat> RBI, betting 375, seven RBI in seven games. Kenneth, make us all feel better and tell us why he should not have been called up earlier in the season. <laughs> Go ahead, please. Try to make us feel better. Why shouldn't he have? Why was he, he needed to he needed stew season and get some more seasoning for like, Two extra months in double A. I mean, honestly, how was he doing in June and July in in double A? We always talk about double A is kind of the prove it for a lot of guys. 100%. And Hunter Goodman was on the fast track, no doubt about it, as soon as he came to the organization. And the dude just hits. It's just one of those guys where no matter where he plays, everybody can see that he is a good hitter. There's an adjustment based on the caliber of pitching, and he saw the most advanced pitching he's ever seen in his career at double-A this season. Mm-hmm. He was able to start making strides and look like the guy who just hits no matter what again. And then the Rockies fast-tracked him again. So I think you take individual progress and development into consideration, and Goodman just did need a little bit more seasoning without any tangible, specific thing of why Goodman was not as good <laughs> as you would have expected him to be. He got that little extra time, and now he's immediately successful in the major leagues. Yeah, It's big, so I can't fault them for the timing of it. True. I, I think because he's been doing so well, it's kind of a no harm, no foul. Mm-hmm. I think you know, you look at maybe the stunted growth of Elias Montero, who's starting to get more playing time. Uh, nothing official yet, but it does sound like, according to Thomas Harding, Michael Tully will go down to AAA. Mm-hmm. So someone new is going to come up, uh, or rather, maybe Chris Bryant comes off the IL. Yeah. We'll wait and see. But you go, eh, Montero's growth got stunted, so they didn't really do a great job developing him or giving him the opportunity when he needed it. So you go, is that going to happen again with Goodman? 
so far, so good. You, you feel okay with that? So it's, far, so it's good, man. Worked out. Yeah. No, and so Monteria, Montero and <laughs> like Tolia that. are their own special case. And I think all of this is just this intertwined ball because it all comes down to how much time did you really need to keep giving to CJ Crone? And mm-hmm. there was more time to try to give somebody like Montero a shot in his at-bats before it, you know, was, okay, late into the month and Hunter Goodman is, or late into the season and Hunter Goodman is looking like he should get a shot. You could have given a longer stretch to uh, Montero. And maybe you could have given a look to Tolia too. But you had these roadblocks at the time. The fact is, right now, there was nothing that Montero or Tolia were doing that was preventing from Goodman coming up either. So yeah. that created the opportunity in its own right. Um, I don't know. It's hard for me not to imagine that Goodman doesn't go into next season, depending on what Chris Bryant's situation looks like. But that Hunter Goodman doesn't go into next season, at least in a similar capacity to probably Sean Bouchard. Uh, this is mm-hmm. a corner guy that we want to be getting as many at-bats as possible because we think this is a guy that can hit and be a contributor in the lineup. So I think at the very least, that's the, the path he's already put himself on, if not maybe starting first baseman. As you said, so far, so good, man. It's been uh, really good for Tovar and Jones. Also, too, on the transaction front yesterday, Nick Mears is up, mm-hmm. Tommy Doyle down. Uh, Tovar and Jones, I mean, there's so much to say. I- I've got all these different stats about Nolan Jones from this season, and it's like Tovar and Jones, Jones and Doyle, and then just Jones on his own. Who, who are you, you kind of more hyped about right now going forward? Maybe just keep it to 2024. Is it is it Jones? Is it Tovar? Is it Brenton Doyle? Like, who are you kind of most excited to see their next step? Um, I think, I think Tovar has been everything I expected him to be, mm. or maybe yeah. a little bit better. Sure. But I also had high expectations for Ezekiel Tovar from the outset. Right. Um, Brenton Doyle has been the athlete that everybody expected him to be, but he's also being exposed for the swing and miss that he has now too. Mm. So. I think there's a little bit of desperation for center field in the organization and a void for so long that that really elevates Doyle's performance, which is electric, but we haven't seen a great center field be played in Coors Field for a while, and Doyle does that. Mm-hmm. Can he hit, though? So I'm excited to see if he can make that step, but I don't believe it. Nolan Jones, as soon as he took over an everyday spot, basically became the Rockies' best hitter, and that has been huge, and it could be a lineup anchor honestly, that you could see for the foreseeable future. And it's not a whole lot of holes. It's not any real flaws in his game. I think they Mm -hmm. have settled naturally into a right field role with him, which is important because they were really flirting with the idea of third base, first base, versatility kind of guy. Mm -hmm. Put him in right. Let him show off the cannon and let him just go out there and hit and just crush absolute bombs when he has the opportunity. So without overthinking it, this really looks like a cleanup hitter right now. And if Veen yeah. becomes what you want, if Jordan Beck keeps advancing the way you think he might, or maybe Yonkiel um, or Benny Montgomery, you can now work around a Tovar and Jones when before it was just Tovar in the conversation. So Nolan Jones is probably the the big one for me. And you need all those guys. We'll get to the prospects of the week here, of course, mm-hmm. in, in a second. But Rockies need to make a trade this offseason where they they unload some of that those young hitters to acquire some pitching. I mean... 
We know what happened in January of 2016 when they acquired Herman Marquez mm-hmm. and everyone. I'm sure at that time, this was this was pre-DNVR, was going, what? No, not Kevin Padlow. The before time. Yeah, not yeah. Kevin Padlow. And that worked out really great. And huh? people, you know, kind of getting upset about, oh, not Juan Brito. <laughs> yeah. And you get Nolan Jones and you found something there. So you've got to try to find more of those guys. I mean, it's not that, like those are the only minor league players no. that they've acquired. And obviously Jones debuted last year, but still... Uh, they've been good. We've, we've been calling, uh, cause Manny Randawa called Brenton Doyle, the Colorado cannon. I mean, I think it might be better. The Colorado cannons mm. for really for both of those Honestly, two yeah. guys, for both of them, Jones and Doyle are, uh, they're actually the first pair of rookies in franchise history to log at least 10 or more stolen bases in the same season. Really? It's kind of surprising. A little yeah. Bit. Right. Yeah. So they are, um, yeah. So, so Jones is actually the first rookie with 10 homers and 10 stolen bases which is also hard to believe that that had never happened. Doyle's two homers away from mm-hmm. joining that group. So I had to look it up. Ten or more stolen bases by a Rockies rookie. There was only six before Jones and Doyle. Uh, Dex is the first that comes to mind. Dex is number one. He um, actually has, has the most. Yeah. Uh, did Cargo exhaust his rookie eligibility with yeah, Oakland? he did. Okay. Yeah. That's why I was a little unsure about that one. I wasn't sure if they overlapped. Um Quinn McCracken. Okay, Eric I was about Young to say, Jr. we have to start going way back very quickly, I feel like, on this list. Eric Young Jr., Garrett Hampson, Aaron Miles, Corey Sullivan. Aaron Miles was a rookie with the Rockies? Yeah. I totally thought he would have... And, and so you got six, well, if let's mm. include Jones and, Jones and Doyle. Yeah, yeah. So there's eight with 10 or more stolen bases, more than twice have hit 10 or more home runs. So it's the, it's the stolen mm-hmm. base part that's the hardest one. Um, there's, there's a lot. Uh, you also did get... For him, uh, and Luis then Dom, A. Gonzalez. Luis A. Yes, thank yes. you. Uh, and then Dom Nunez in 2021. Oh uh, yeah, how about that one? I do remember that he he it's earned himself an extra year of 40 man roster time because of the season before that. But yeah, uh, how much? How many bombs did Dex hit in his rookie season? Not 10. How many homer or uh, triples do you think he had? Uh, maybe eight. Yeah, no, he he might have had 10 on that. Mm-hmm. He definitely might have had 10 on that. Uh, Diamondbacks for the next two two days, three in San Francisco. And uh, and then the next week is also San Francisco at home. Look, we've got we've got a lot centered around the Giants series because we got a watch party on Saturday. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. Games at seven oh five. We'll start gathering together uh, at at six o'clock. We got a Pirates fan, Ned sixty nine. What's up, Ned? Uh, in our chat, you're also invited too. You don't have to be a diehard. If you man. are, you get fifteen percent off all your food and drink and and twenty percent off uh, all of the. The, the gear that we have at DNVR Locker. Uh, you can also get 20% off your takeover ticket because the next Saturday, and this is the Blake Street Bombers reunion. Oh, yeah. We got a takeover, so you can come down here, down at the bar. The bus will take you over. We got Breck Brew on the bus. A lot of fun going down with that next Saturday, the 16th. So uh, we're, we're, we're going to turn out for the Giants and maybe the Rockies can, yeah, man. can get the best of them. If you want on your way to, down to the bar, whether it's the takeover or whether it's our watch party on Saturday, you can stop by Kind Love, uh, exciting and official partner of DNVR. One of the first dispensaries, in fact, in Colorado, established back in 2010, known for cultivating some of the highest quality cannabis in the state. And they recently launched a game-changing new product in the industry known as Turbo Core. Turbo Core is a 100 milligram stick that looks exactly like a toothpick. It's full, got a full spectrum cannabis concentrate design with a pointed tip so you can easily slide into any joint blunt or cigarette and instantly infuse it. It's also vegan, natural with no chemical processing whatsoever. You hear a little tip too. If you go the bowl route, that's what my brother-in-law does. He just crushed it up and just put it in the bowl and like 
that worked too. Like either way, the Turbo Core is fantastic. Visit any of the stores in Cherry Creek or North Denver. You mentioned DNVR and you receive a DNVR exclusive discount of 25% off all Kind Love Flower pre-rolls in their Turbo joint line. Visit their website at kindlove.com for the full extensive menu and online ordering. And yes, DNVR, that code does work for deliveries. Shady Rays, you buy one, you get one free. Now, as it turns out, I have two and you have none. So <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't I didn't give you the one for free. That's usually how good friends should do it. I, I bought one and I got one. Yeah. As it were. But I haven't busted these out in a while. This was the this is the Zach Veen model, really. Not unofficially. That's that's what they feel like. This is definitely outfielder swagger. Oh yeah. Big time. That's yeah. You put these glasses on, you immediately have three outfield assists. <laughs> Thanks to Shady Rays. Use code DNVR. You buy one, get one free. If you lose or break them, they'll replace it for you because they have a wonderful lost and broken replacement policy. Uh, also, if you don't like it, you can get a full refund within 30 days or just exchange it. It's great. Go down to the Park Meadows Mall if you need to to actually try them on. You actually get 50% off two or more pairs of Polaroids polarized shades for that try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over two hundred thousand people and get those three outfield assists it looks sharp man it looks incredible they're great you could have, probably get a couple dingers on that too you think oh yeah nice nice afternoon game go up there two-way with the glasses does yeah. it have to be in in uh, inside the parker or do you think i might be able to put one out over one the of each barrier yeah so Ooh. one over and then one off the barrier shoots out into the left center gap and you go all the way that's like that's almost not a statistic, like inside the park. Like you can't go anywhere to actually find that. It's pretty hard data. Although yeah. that, so Dion, we're all crazy about Dion, of course. This is the time uh, we've been. He is the only player, of course, uh, to uh, to score a touchdown and hit a home run at mm-hmm. mile high. But if you actually go out into his box score for when he homered at mile high, uh, it was inside the park home run. So oh, really? it does have that like noted okay. in like the game or in the box score yeah, yeah, yeah. as far as uh, like the breakdown of each play. So mm-hmm. he didn't have you know big boy power, but he no. did eventually I like uh, put one out there, which was really nice to see. Uh, Ned, I'll answer your question too, just off the top of my head. Kip Wells, I think, is a pretty good deep dig. Ooh, a good Pirates Rockies immaculate yeah. grid. Yeah, I don't think Ryan Valade has actually. No, I don't think he cracked the roster. Same with Dom Nunez, who is also a uh-huh. Pittsburgh Pirate. Uh-huh. For a minute, we can't say Rich Hill just yet. Not yet, but it's, it, it's it'll happen. Inevitable. Four more years. It is inevitable. Man, I can't think. I can't think of a good, like, rare. I was trying to think of corner infielders, whether uh, Wigington or Steins. I feel like Chris Steins was a Pirate. Mm, that maybe I'm not Wigington. Heard. I don't know about Steins. I know Kip Wells. I know Kip Wells and Josh Fogg, which were both in the Todd Ritchie trade and both made their way to Colorado. Obviously, Fogg is the most memorable as the Dragon Slayer. But Kip yes. Wells is a pretty Kip Wells, good. yeah, opening day yeah. starter. That was the deep dive that I had. That was my answer. That's pretty good. I don't think I even have come up with one yet. Charlie Hayes never did it. It's, I mean, his son's obviously there. I don't think Charlie played actually with Pittsburgh. No, I only remember him with the Yankees, obviously. I can't remember. where. He actually, here's the best one. That's okay. going to be under 1%. Robert Stevenson. Ah, that's that. I might don't know. Be. They have, there's a lot of recency bias. On, it is on immaculate. Grid. But that's still one of those where. Fog. All right. So Ned went fog. He went the dragon slayer. I like it. Let's jump into our prospects of the week. Final week, actually, for uh, the A level. So uh, last week mm-hmm. for these guys. But in AAA, we got right-handed starter Jeff Criswell. He was our prospect of the week last week as well. Six and a third innings pitched. Four hits. Gave up three runs. Again, that's 
that's a quality start in the big leagues. It's even better than that. That's that's like an ace uh, level performance, especially when you consider one walk, nine strikeouts for him. Honorable mention to Connor Siebold and Noah Davis, who were both outstanding. I was thinking Chris Will was going to get an opportunity here, and there's still a chance. Mm. But if it is, it, we're talking like one start in the final week. Yeah, maybe a Noah Davis call up last year really kind of put into the back, you know, of the bullpen and may may not even get time. Um, he has really progressed as the season has yeah. gone along, and he had a really rough start to the year, and he was kind of floating between two levels or between two roles from bullpen and starter. Um, the most impressive thing, because first of all, Albuquerque in the Pacific Coast League in general is on the moon. Rough. And so you get beaten up, and the numbers always have to be taken with a grain of salt. Mm. The strikeouts, however, really stand out relative to the rest of the staff. That's big. Um, and you look at maybe somebody like Carl Kaufman, who can find some success in limiting damage to a degree, but he's not able to strike guys out even at the AAA level and do it effectively. So it makes you kind of question how effective he'd be as a major leaguer. We've kind of seen Kaufman have his struggles. It's not to say he's, you know, he's done or cooked or anything like that, but you see Chris Wells' ability to pitch in a more harsh environment on a consistent basis and still get strikeouts. There might be something there. It really comes more down to the walks, the co- control and command with Chris Well, and mm-hmm. maybe there's still some wrinkles being ironed out. But it looks like a big league pitcher from what you, he's shown in the second You half. may need to give him more of the opportunities because of that swing and miss, whereas Kaufman, you kind of already have a rotation of guys like that, with, at least with Marquez out. Mm-hmm. So you say, hey, let's see if we can kind of cultivate something that and get more swing and misses. Honorable mention to the isotopes, Roman Quinn, 7 RBI, 4 stolen bases. Not a prospect per se, but he's down in AAA. Coco Montez, double, triple homer, homer 4 RBI. Witten Bernard, another really nice week. In AA, Joe Rock, mm-hmm. again, saying his name a lot because he's been, he's again, has that upside where you might look at his numbers over the course of the season say, Eh, he's got some work to do, but he has that potential to go out and be dominant. Seven innings pitch in his one start with the Yard Goats. Six hits, no earned runs, a walk, seven strikeouts. Honorable mention on the pitcher side, Connor Van Skoyak, Andrew Quezada, and a, a nice reliever that they got in 2020. They signed uh, as an undrafted free agent, Blake Goldsberry, mm-hmm. who's been in a name you know people should be talking a little bit more about. Um, but Joe Rock, this is a guy that he's going to get an invite to big league camp next year and Definitely. You know, I don't know when we'll see him exactly, mm-hmm. uh, what what he needs to work on in order to clean things up. But again, the potential is there for this guy who was only drafted back in 2021. I don't think it's far off either. No. And so you talk about getting the spring training invite and, you know, I hadn't put much thought to it, but it feels absolutely right. And it feels mm-hmm. very fitting. Um, this is somebody who has been extremely effective since the moment that he came into the organization. Um, this is a big frame guy with good stuff that also has a little bit of funk to his delivery. Mm-hmm. And I think that they, it checks a lot of boxes for guys that we think can perform well with the Rockies and in Coors Field. I think there is a very evident blueprint of Joe Rock in Tyler Anderson and the success mm. that he had before. Yeah, And I think that you know my, my whole concern is this is a bit of a violent arm action with the rest of the delivery and he went down with shoulder issues to start this season and with every other health problem that has gone on with the Rockies and their pitching development side I assumed the worst but he has put together a very good season since then and so you know I'm willing to say okay that's in the past um this could be a big league starter by the middle of next year honestly in Joe Rock. May need to be. Yeah. May need to but be. But he may be good. capable of doing it too, He's, not just forced into the Rockies. Yeah, and the Rockies don't really force their guys to do that, which 
it is what it is. Mm -hmm. But but you're right. Yeah, he he's a guy to to really start uh, keeping an eye on here uh, in these last couple of weeks for for Hartford. Again, appreciate the positive comments. Enjoying the depth of the show. Make sure you uh, Brad like, share, subscribe. Was a great call, by the way. That was a good one. And I was yeah. right. Charlie Hayes was a pirate, yeah. and it was very. Was Ryan Sheely a pirate? If we're just gonna go back to to weird obscure Royals, first. Thing. I don't know. Royals, that was that's what, that's what made me think of. Uh, um, Sheely was the Brad Elder. I don't actually do Immaculate Grid every day because of my addictive personality <laughs> that I would like absolutely yeah. need. And I think I actually did start a spreadsheet to try to figure out some things. Yeah, and I'm Patrick like, Patrick goes AWOL for a week. No, 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 no. Yeah. If there's a spreadsheet involved, it's, it's either a great idea or an <laughs> awful idea. I had to shut that down immediately. Mason Albright in high again, final week for high a uh, Spokane. He went six innings pitched, one run, continuing that success he had with the Angels when he came over in the Mike Moustakis deal. Mm -hmm. Two walks, four strikeouts, pretty much the only pitcher that had a good week for Spokane. And then the honorable mentions for the hitters, Ryan Ritter, again, seven for 16, stolen base. I love five walks to only two strikeouts for the shortstop. Juan Guerrero, Robbie Martin, and Nick Ken also get a shout-out. But Mason Albright has been a guy that, you know, only six six foot. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the, uh, Jake Madden was the guy who looks like the pitcher. Yeah. He's got the length, but Mason Albright has the numbers right now. And he's kind of, you know, blossoming at, at just the right time. And, uh, Rockies really could, could have something here, especially considering they, you know, maybe took advantage of the angels Oh yeah, and say, Hey, are you guys are really aggressive. You, you really want Mike Moustakis this early? This was one of the first trades. I, there was a deal oh, that I went down just before that. I can't remember who was involved and it was like, you know, uh, a mid mid tier relief pitcher, mm -hmm. but it was all, it was super early. It was the end of June. No one had really started to move anything, and Angels were aggressive. And Rockies, I think, took advantage of that. And Mason Albright uh, has has really benefited from that as well. It's a very clean delivery. Mm -hmm. Like just watching the the limited video that I have been able to with Albright, um, it's kind of maximizing the most out of a small stature. Um, and I think it's a very clean and good lefty that is able to just kind of put the same pitch on the same path. It's tunneling and then be able to have a, a heavy changeup off of a decent fastball and then slider to keep guys honest on their hands. It's not Kyle Freeland size. And so it makes mm -hmm. a much slimmer margin for air for somebody like this. But this is the type of guy that can also be effective. I think the Rockies have found a bit of a niche when it comes to crafty left-handers, if you want to put it that way. Mm -hmm. Thummer is maybe the more you know divisive term on it, but there's success for guys like this, and I think they're leaning into it. I think Albright is kind of in that same elk as well. Yeah. Cody Huff for low A Fresno was the... a homer seven rbi he's a player that's really starting to come into form mm -hmm. seems like during the second half cole carrick had two homers eight rbis two stolen bases brian bedencourt aiden longwell name that uh just came out of this year's draft yeah it was was really nice but cody huff i mean you can't have enough catchers and it, it seemed like the rockies came into this year with a lot of guys with with buzz on them a little bit hunter goodman being one of them mm -hmm. uh, clearly he's he's not a catcher uh Great, you know, third string guy. If 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 they need that emergency catcher role, kind of emergency, yeah. but but not emergency. And the Alan Trejo, like, all right, you're an athlete, figure it out. Like <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. that's a bad setup, of course. Um, but he can actually catch. That being said, you know, Ronica Palma was a guy. You go, okay, yeah, you know, maybe here's something. Mm -hmm. um, and and maybe that is. But if you're talking about you know number ones, it's really just about. Drew Romo, still Braxton Fulford makes you think, and that could be a trade, great trade chip. And now Cody Huff is, is in that camp too. And you say, 
all right, you you can't have enough of these catchers, especially because every team wants the catchers, especially if they can work with a good staff. And those are really good trade chips to have as well as the Rockies, you know, continue to try to improve. And I don't know if 2024 is a, is a year where they really take any major steps forward. Mm-hmm. I mean, a 90 loss season does seem like a step forward, but it might not be. A, <laughs> but I mean, it is, but it might not. It wasn't even a joke. I know. But it's just sad. I know. But 2025, you go, okay, now maybe they get a little something going or again, they get creative. And at the trade deadline, they're, they're getting rid of a veteran mm-hmm. or an expiring deal. And they say, hey, we'll also throw in this catcher because we've got a ton of them right now to sweeten the pot and bring back an even bigger prospect. So they've got to be more aggressive on the trade front and more depth from your prospects, like with Cody Huff, is going to help you out. I think, well, I want to give an honorable mention to Drew Romo and kind of the last month he's put together because it is really, it's starting to click again for Romo. Um, And this is, this was a big storyline for me during the season because they really seemed like Drew Romo, you will be the best catcher in Rockies history. Like there's a lot of high (laughs) expectations. Because one, catching has kind of been an abyss for the Rockies for the most part. And two, Romo was a very highly regarded um, top selection. He was a supplemental pick or a second round pick. Mm-hmm. So a lot of expectations placed on Drew Romo. I was very concerned because if you put everything on just one catcher, which is easily the most volatile position of position players, I should say at least. Even more so for a high schooler. Yes. And so, and from a tough demographic, you're asking a lot of somebody who is still just, you know, barely drinking age. At this point. And so um, too high of expectations, too much responsibility placed on his shoulders, but they have done a much better job of reinforcing the rest of the system and catching depth around him. I think Braxton Fulford was a great name to bring up when we talk about Cody Huff because Fulford is showing some capabilities of being a major league starting catcher. Mm -hmm. Who knows if it actually comes to fruition, but at the very least, you're now seeing a floor of a major league backup. Cody Huff might be in that same example, too. And if these guys start to click more and more and more, and you have Jerry Weinstein, who's the catching guru, like there is a good system in place from the outside looking in for catching in the Rockies organization. If you have a full forward and a Drew Romo at the same time, and then Cody Huff on the horizon, and they are all looking like starting caliber major league catchers, well, now you have a blue chip trade possibility yeah will smith and cabert ruiz with the los angeles dodgers mm-hmm. they might be high, you know more highly regarded at the time but that's enough to go out you can have a big chip to trade in if these guys start becoming major league starting caliber catchers and it's kind of looking like they might have a few they might we still need to get a little bit closer but I feel better about catching in the system now than maybe I ever have. And that's yep. a good thing to say. And we saw the Padres kind of do something similar again, just trading guys left and right. You know, I had Francisco Mejia with Luis Camposano in the pipeline, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Austin Nola. I mean, Austin Hedges at that time even too. So, uh, you know, look, we just added today a couple new luminaries here in Eric Lacroix to the DNVR Avs Love it. beat. Uh, also, Passertain, PS2. Mm-hmm. He's PS2. I'm... I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. You hear, I'm PS1, right? Patty Stats, and I'm the original. <laughs> so I'd be, I'd be PS1. Uh, I think that, yeah, that math, I'm PS1. Yeah. Although, they, they don't think they actually called PlayStation 1. No. PlayStation 1. You're the original PS. I'm just, yeah. Ugh. You're the OPS. I've been called the POS, but not <laughs> PS. Um, but yeah, so yes, take it from PS1, Breck Brew and the Broncos Country. That's the drink of the month. That's the Breck Brew of the month. Colorado ingredients. 
High Wire Hops from the North Fork Valley. It's got a delicate citrus hop aroma. Local malts provide a light, malty backbone that finishes clean and dry. Of course, we got that at all of our tailgates. In fact, if you want to go, and you can do a nice, fun double dip where Saturday you go for the Blake Street Bombers, go to our takeover, hang out for that on uh, Saturday, September 16th, and then Saturday, or excuse me, Sunday, September 17th, Broncos' first home game. Party do a time. double dip, DNVR double dip. Have yourself a, a weekend. I mean, hey, this is Denver sports. It doesn't get much better than that. Yeah. And if you, can, uh, if you can't be a part of that, then just go to breckbrew.com, Breckbrew Locator, find out where you can get some uh, Breckbrew Broncos country near you. Also, honorable mention on the, uh, the pitching side, Caleb Franzen, who's been a pleasant surprise. Another great star for Michael Prosecchi. Another great star for Connor Stain. These mm-hmm. guys kind of need to move up. I think Fresno, they got the playoffs coming up, so I think they want to keep those guys around for that. Zach Agnos, two for two in saves. Plus, Sean Sullivan makes his... Full season debut, so yeah. to speak, or rather a uh, full season league debut in low A. Two scoreless frames, struck out all six for his ads. Good start. Yeah. Good I start mean, for him. Hey, when we talk about you know, everything that went to Joe Rock, Sean Sullivan seems to be kind of the blueprint. And the in-between was Carson Palmquist. And look what he's been doing in his, you know, uh, he's elevated to double A at this point. But he's punching out guys like crazy. I mean, we'll talk like, about his start last week, but well, his first I, one. Well, he looked identical to Kyle Freeland. Yes. Oh, but, my God. And so even if he is getting roughed up for eight runs in double A in his second start, he's still able to put up six punch outs, something like that in that start. It's a lot of punches. There's, yeah. And so there's still, you know, a, a good strong arm. Maybe Sullivan is of the same elk. I'm curious. I know it's not going to happen, but I'd be a little curious if they wanted to go Gabriel Hughes this year with Chase Dolander, make his first start in the playoffs. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, although that didn't hasn't really worked out. I understand that in a sense. I mean, is, <laughs> yeah. was that why you know that? No, I wouldn't John? say that. No, They're probably, probably not, shutting but... him down for the year. But so it's been a, it's been a magical year for Fresno, honestly, and I, I yeah. do appreciate them trying to see it through to the end of this season um, with a lot of the the players sure. from that group, especially on the pitching side. But if you throw Dolander into the mix and maybe he goes out there and shoves for, you know, one hit over five innings while striking out seven, you just feel that much better heading into the offseason, too. Yeah, so maybe give, maybe give him like a bullpen roll or, again, just have him go out there for three innings, which is kind of similar to what happened with Hughes. Mm-hmm. Had a lot of people asking me about the Chicago White Sox situation, uh, owner Jerry Reinsdorf and, and his choice of, of Chris Getz going inside uh, the organization there when it seemed like he, they talked about going outside the organization and then mm-hmm. hiring the scouting director to become the general manager. Definitely something we are familiar with here yeah. in Colorado. Sounds um, familiar. Staying insular. Uh, also not interviewing a candidate of diversity. Uh, one of the interesting things is that there is an expectation that, uh, according to uh, an article in The Athletic, that when a white male is promoted to a senior baseball operations positions, uh, is that a person from the underrepresented background will be promoted or hired to the vacancy created by the promotion. So in other words, um, the league can decide if a team is like exempt from that. And so that was kind of the case with, yep. with the Rockies because you go, wait a minute, they didn't hire anybody that, or, or, or interview anyone outside the organization or mm-hmm. even necessarily within the organization. They just gave the job to the interim GM in Bill Schmidt. But going back to that, uh, Danny Montgomery, who's been with the organization a very long time, uh, was a named specialist who he was previously the special assistant to the the GM became the assistant GM uh, and and uh, vice president too uh, of scouting so you know he he did get himself uh, a, a nice raise there so mm-hmm. that kind of checked off that box but it's just been interesting hearing seeing it play out in Chicago a similar situation to you know what the Rockies have 
gone through and what fans have had to deal with. Yeah. You know, in, in, in spite of all of it. Well, there's, so it's, it's also happening at a very interesting time where you can sadly look at the Rockies and say they actually were more accomplished before the wheels fell off than Chicago has been in a window of clear contention. And now when you look at the Rockies in the year since the whole transition from Breidich and the Arenado saga to uh, Bill Schmidt getting promoted, it's only gotten that much worse. And it also isolated a lot of the great players around that time. And maybe somebody like Jose Abreu leaving Chicago at the time was mm. kind of a, you know, a, a warning sign indicator um, uh, of what was on the horizon. It feels like it's, it, there's, it feels like a Jenga tower that's about to completely collapse. Um, and it has for a little bit of time now. And honestly, since the, the middle of the Tony La Russa era with the White Sox. Um, and I think this hiring, I think Chris Getz can probably be a fine uh, you know, Major League GM. But I think that the situation surrounding just that position is so unstable and volatile um, for also a lot of egos and talent that's underperformed to this point that is just going to completely fall apart. And the White Sox are probably looking at a similar window to what the Rockies are in right now. Well, yeah, that's a, such a great way of phrasing of like this Django, Jenga tower that's about to tip over because it's, it's tipped over for the Rockies this season and mm -hmm. just the way that they've handled the last two years and not making any moves at the trade deadline other than Michael Givens. We'll point that out in 2021. Yeah. But that was it. So and it's falling apart. You know, we're going to have the first 100 loss season. I, I was curious, and I want to maybe mention this earlier. Is there anything else Colorado can do right now? Probably not, because we've got you know three and a half weeks left of the season. Is there anything that they can do right now to have a better plan of attack? Because they're they are playing the young guys. Mm -hmm. We did have a question earlier about you know is is KB going to come back and be an impact player? If he's back, you you have to play him a little bit. You don't have to play him a lot, no. but you have to play him at least a little bit. And then that does kind of get in the way of all those opportunities for all of the young guys. Is is that the only thing that they can really do right now? Is Almost, I, almost not play Chris Bryant or yeah, any of the well, other veterans. So Chris Bryant's not going anywhere no. um, is the hard part about it. And so you kind of need Chris Bryant to be on the field when the season ends, I think, this year. Um, because he need, he's going to be part of the plan next year, depending on you know how healthy he is. And so I think there is a bit of a morale for getting Chris Bryant back into game action before the season ends. Because having mm -hmm. two years in a row of completely you know lost years and maybe next year will be different doesn't feel great. I think there's, you know, it's... Take it for what it is with social media and Twitter. There's a lot of, you know, second guessers on Bud Black and, and bullpen management in some situations. Maybe there are some decisions that can change the outcome a little bit there, but I think it's playing cards that are dealt and, you know, just luck plays into it. So I don't see a whole lot differently that should be done right now to get them in a position to win games. I think that this is just what everybody's been asking for. Put the young guys out there, see how they do, let them learn on the job, and what happens, happens. Sometimes you hold a lead into the sixth inning for six straight games, and you don't win any of them. But the right players are at least out there for those experiences. And I think that's that's all I care about. Not so much the winning side. Yeah, no, let, let the kids play. Absolutely. No. It's got to be that. Real quick uh, look around the NL West. Are you surprised at how dominant Atlanta was in their three wins? Over the Dodgers, there feels like a this feels like a statement year for Atlanta with the way that they went out against Philadelphia, and it feels like Los Angeles is probably the biggest threat in their eyes. Plus, there's a little bit of pride between the uh, National League uh, MVP conversation with Mookie. Honestly, yeah, with that's four fun. out of the five, it's fun candidates being in that series in in what Freeman, Mookie, Matt Olson, and Ronald Acuna Jr. 
I it's just good baseball. And yes, I'm surprised a little bit on what the outcome was, but I think Atlanta is clearly the best team in the National League, maybe all of baseball, probably all of baseball. So to see Atlanta win, I'm at the point with the Braves where I would be surprised if they don't win the World Series. And that's a re- I don't say that lightly. That's a big statement to make, but that's kind of how I feel about Atlanta. So they they have got that momentum. And the Dodgers probably lost a little bit of that momentum with uh, Julio Urias arrested on Sunday night on suspicion of a felony charge of corporal injury on his spouse, basically domestic violence. Mm-hmm. He was released on a $50,000 bond, has a court date at the end of September. It's not his first domestic violence issue. 2019 was suspended 20 games under the joint domestic violence policy. And in that incident, he was arrested on suspicion of domestic battery, but was ultimately not charged. So probably just a coincidence that the Dodgers have had now Urias and Trevor Bauer here. And, you know, they've got to figure out some things. I know Walker Bueller's kind of on the comeback trail. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, they'll on field, they'll figure it out. It is what it is. But, you know, strange that this uh, this continues to keep happening for them and that organization. Yeah. They have the money to, I guess, you know, cover up some some flaws or mistakes, but overall, sure. it's a slimy human being um, kind of sounding story. Yeah. And so I just, I don't know, I don't want anything to do with it. Leave it at it's, that. It's heinous. You probably don't want anything to do with San Diego. They've been so mediocre this year. Uh, they they may be broken. They they seem to have like the the White Sox syndrome, like we were talking about, bit, to yeah. to a different degree because they've got a lot more higher profile mm-hmm. guys than than the White Sox, where their guys are more younger and they're not really making that money. We, we were talking with Herb Lawrence last week about it and the and the shooting that that went on at Guaranteed Rate Field, all of that business. Yeah, and it's it's startling to think that the deal that Andrew Benintendi got in free agency is the biggest deal that they've given to a free agent. And you mm-hmm. go, all right, so they're not as as high high profile, but. They, I, I think the Padres are broken. Like I don't. Yes. There's, I will, I will not be picking them to win the West like I did this year. I, I, I fell into the trap. So I think I, I can't pull it up right now. But Bob Nightingale, I think, said at uh, San Diego has had eight three-game winning streaks this year, but are the only team in baseball not to win four games in mm-hmm. a row. That's astonishing. It, like what has gone on? Eight with, game losing streaks. No, eight eight game winning streaks, but the only team to not win four games in a row this year. Eight. Three game winning streaks. There I'm sorry, go. I misspoke. You good? Um, eight three game winning streaks this yeah. year, but hasn't been the only team not to win four straight games. I think they had an opportunity to do it against mm-hmm. the Rockies, and then they didn't get it. I was yes. like, that was kind of the one where you go, we just got to break this thing. I feel like you know their players read a lot more, and their families read a lot more than we kind of maybe give them credit for, or than we think sure. they do. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's a balance, so they're aware of it. I feel like that is a stat now because mm-hmm. it's been you know been said so many times now for the past month plus that like I think they are aware of that and probably not having that win against the Rockies and, and any other time they've had three wins. Yeah. It's like, oh, God, we, we have to win today. Yeah. They know it. They oh, know even it. Bob Melvin came out with a quote where it's like, we can't be looking at other teams. We can't even think too far ahead. We just need to win a game. It's like that's, <sighs> they have been pressing. There's yeah. just so much pressure and there's so much expectation and they have just never fulfilled it. And it's honestly ever since they pulled the trigger for Juan Soto. It's just yeah. been a different vibe where now you, it's World Series or bust, but they've never kind of cleared the hump of, okay, and you thought they did when they knocked out L.A., but mm-hmm. it's just at least for this season, it has not come together. And what's funny about it is everything that the Texas Rangers are this year, mm-hmm. that was supposed to be San Diego. Yeah. You spent all the money in the world and you brought in everything, and you had a little bit of talent around it, or you spent that talent to acquire players with the play, with the other ones, the free agents you acquired, and you brought in the good manager, 
the veteran manager that knows how to win, and it clicked. San, or like Texas just took that from San Diego, yeah. and San Diego has just been hollow because of it. So it's weird to see. It's honestly weird to see because that's not a bad roster. I was listening to the Baseball Barbacast, and I think they described it best, where it's like these are great players that just don't know how to win together. No. It's kind of the way San Diego is. I don't know. It's a weird aberration. Yeah. Rockies are doing things the, the that opposite way of they're building these young guys and these young cores, and that actually is something that – you know, ha- has worked. Uh, another comment, San Diego is a perfect example of thinking chemistry is a joke, but it's not. And yeah, Rockies are, are maybe too much about chemistry. Mm. Maybe, maybe not, but they, they get that Team chemistry guys part. Guys. You can't just, just bring in a bunch of guys unless you already have that core that you can supplement with. And I don't mm-hmm. know that San Diego necessarily had that core. You had Machado. That was it. Yeah, you had Tatis, yeah. but like he's still working on his career too. Like, so... Um, and to your, so Texas right now, one game back of the AOS, that's been an interesting race. Uh, they're still in the wild card spot. So yeah, Texas, yeah. uh, is, is definitely having a lot more success. And then finally the giants, two games over 500 Gabe Kapler, low key, a really good manager, right? Yeah. Well, San Francisco, low key, a really great organization. Now, obviously you win three world series in five years. Yeah. You're great. Like recently, um, you lose Buster Posey, you lose the you know dominant pitching that was the backbone for those World Series teams, and they're still a perennial playoff contending team. Sure. Or they go bananas and win 107 games somehow, <laughs> too. And like so San Francisco is a great overachiever. And I have, you know, this is the conspiracy tinfoil hat going on. I think San Francisco looks pretty good to Shohei Otani if he wants to stay on the West Coast and maybe still kind of be his brand. That's a fit. That's a fit. You can win without me. I can maybe make us win a whole lot more. I don't have to worry about some of the you know problems that I was dealing with in L.A. You'll put a competent team around me, and I'll just be Shohei. Look, San Francisco didn't have any problem with Carlos Correa giving him a deal. Or Judge. For the, for the week. Arson Judge. That's it. I mean, yeah. That uh, maybe Otani. That was a wild off season. Yeah, yeah that could be a Otani good fit. Maybe Otani looks at him like, you know what? I'll take both the Correa and the Judge money, and we'll 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 make a deal here. We got two games before our next show on Wednesday. Post game show around five o'clock. Figure today we got Kyle Freeland against Brandon Fott. We'll see if Freeland's fastball is still uh, on the up and up there. Chris Flexen versus mm-hmm. Zach Davies. Zach Davies is is another guy that feels destined to be a Rocky. Like, would be good. I, I just think he would be. Uh, you think he'd be good? I think he'd be serviceable. I think he'd be like a four or five ERA guy. I think he would get which... pulverized. <laughs> I think I think Zach Davies is a good major league pitcher. I think Zach Davies is the exact pitcher not to put in Coors Field. Mm. We got the transaction today before the game. Cole Tucker is going to have his contract selected from AAA. Good. So he's now on the 40 man. Yep. Totally is back down in AAA. And someone got designated for assignment. You want to take a guess? Oh, do I want to take a guess? Yeah. Who it is? Uh, I don't think you'll guess. I don't think you'll get it. So maybe that'll that'll help you out. Someone who's in Albuquerque right now. Someone who's in Albuquerque right now just got DFA'd? Yes. Not serving. No. Who? No. Coco Montes. Really? For assignment. Really? Yeah. That's a bummer. He's a guy that I could see another team being in on. Yeah. I guess maybe Montes didn't come to mind because I was hoping it wouldn't be that name. I was trying to think of more of a reliever. That would be more interchangeable. Uh, Montez never really felt like he was in favor. And he's also just kind of an overachieving infield piece that I think can stick on in another organization. So it's a bummer to kind of see because I I could see him finding a new home pretty quickly. Real quick in the comments, Otani's going to be in Seattle. That also fits, I think, a little Mm -hmm. bit. I feel like they're going to be at the top end of their... 
their payroll just a little there's bit. There's a lot of there's a lot of Julio money being spent in Seattle it's already. It's the starting thing. to tick up. Yeah. And then Tim CM, who will have more blown saves this week, Rangers or Rockies? Actually, kind of easy. Rangers. Rangers. Yeah. You have to have the the lead. The blow a safe. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. If we're yeah. just saying bullpen ERA. Who's more capable? That's a different question. But better I, I would say, I would say the Rockies would probably have a, a maybe slightly better bullpen ERA. Because again, just Fair. everything has gone the opposite way for them in terms of a little bit little bit of luck. Like yeah. again, if, if if you're not good, you're not good. But some you, you can't be that bad. Um so they've had some bad luck. So they'll be better, but Saves wise, Tim, yeah, Tim, yeah. Tim gets it. Good question. Appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, again, uh, let people know. Go ahead and plug away where uh, where you're at on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is kdub1988, kdub1988, and you can find me over at Purple Row. Um, every Monday, I do my columns on the Rock Pile, and then I also have the Minor League Rundown in the Pebble Report. Ooh. And then Saturday, you'll be here at the bar. Celebrate. Watch party. Come down on the ninth. Come down, uh, come fun. down here, Ned. We'll talk Quinn Priester. I'm all for that. Oh, okay. I'll have some and pirates then we'll, talk. We'll speculate on O'Neill Cruz and how he's got an axe to grind because Ellie De La Cruz is the next all five thunder. years in the Central is the O'Neill and Ellie show. Oh man, it's gonna uh-huh. be good. That's gonna be so good. At DNVR underscore Rockies is where all our good stuff is at. On Twitter at Patrick D Lyons is where I'm located. Can I thank you for the momentum? But as we say in the podcast world, uh, momentum is only as good as your next show. Good thing it's gonna be a good one. Post game Wednesday around 5 p.m. right here on the DMVR Sports Channel, live on YouTube. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.